Hi there, everybody out there in Cyberworld. I thought I was going to start this off somehow different, and then I just blanked it right before I opened my mouth. I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. This Fried Squirms. We're here to get stoned, talk about horror movies. I've already been doing a little bit of that first part of it. We're aiming to do more. This week will be Mad God, that we've both been super excited for. But we got shit to get to before that. Namely, we got to get stoned. Far Green hits, Danny. I already know, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What is this, Jay, that you brought for me today? So this week, I stopped by over at Mile High here in town and picked up the Gorilla Glue Number no. 4 strain. Sometimes it's known as the original glue, or just plainly Gorilla Glue, but regardless, it's a slightly indica-dominant hybrid strain, and it's crossed with the infamous Chem's Sister Sour Dub and Chocolate Diesel strains. Now, this particular one over at Mile High, I think it's right around 23% THC. So on average, it ranges anywhere between 18 to 32%. So it can get up there with the THC. But as far as your flavors, things of that nature, this bud has a spicy chemical chocolate flavor with a heavy diesel exhale that turns slightly sweet the more that you toke. So with this one being said, I've had it a few times this week or this weekend. It's pretty nice, man. It's just kind of, you know, prototypical. You're going to get a nice buzz. Sometimes you get the munchies, but that's nothing out of the ordinary. Right. So this week for you, I brought some black cherry punch from over at Flower. I'd never seen him have it before, so I was like, I'm going to grab some of that. Now, that means this week I did bring you something a little bit more indica dominant. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Normally not a problem. I will say, uh, according to the Leafly write-up, it's a uh, strain produces calming effects that are mentally relaxing but make you feel physically tingly. Mm. It also said it is not re- recommended for consumers with a low THC tolerance, and I'll tell you what, what right now, if you let it, that strain will put your dick in the dirt. But I thought it was especially fitting because I did manage... Most of the time when I go grab str- shit for the show, it's like that morning. I grabbed that shit Friday... So it was actually what I was smoking on while watching this movie both times. (laughs) And so I know that we're in for something with it. So I think the Black Cherry Punch is a great way to go. I'm excited to see what you think about it. And with all that being said, I will point out that we have a Patreon. Go check it out. Patreon.com slash Fried Squirms. At a dollar a month, you could listen to this last week. You know what? At the middle level, three dollars a month you start getting our Patreon-only shows. If you have not been listening, we have started every fourth week taking a look back at our old catalog, re-watching some of these movies for the first time in, shit, what, Jeez. six years now? Yeah, some of them. Some of these are flicks that we love, and due to the rigors of life, the last time that we got a chance to watch them were when we did them for the show, so... It's also just a way for us to have fun and continue to enjoy all the horror that we love. So we hope that you join us. Check that shit out. Patreon.com slash Fried Squirms. Even if you don't want to sign up, there is a poll over there to let us know what you would like to see from us that might get you to sign up. Please check it out. That, I think we'll get into the guts and bolts. Probably more bolts than normal, I would imagine, on the set for this movie. Mad God. Guts and Bolts. Alright, Guts and Bolts. Who and what went in the making of this movie? Spoiler free. We'll get to the spoilers in a minute. Start off with your spoiler free setup for this flick. If you don't know what it's about going in, fuck, I wish I would have thought of this better. Spoiler free setup for this movie. Yo. Huh. I mean, there's not much story there to begin with. Not really. I mean, look, here's the spoiler-free setup for this movie. A fucking visual effects master that you've been marveling at your entire fucking life decided to make a flick and set it in this fucking nightmare hellscape, and you should go check it out. That's my spoiler-free setup for this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, right, without any spoilers, like you're saying. I don't know what else to say. There's a story, but, like, this guy's going through a nightmare hellscape... With the intent to blow it up. Yeah. It's more about the visuals than anything else. So. Right. I, I would agree with that. Without, like I said, getting too, too much involved. But 
course, we like to talk about the cast and crew from week to week of the films we review. And this week, of course, we're talking about Phil Tippett. And with that, he is the director. He's also the writer. He's one of the cinematographers. He's also a part of this special effects crew. <laughs> and uh, he's, of course, a producer as well. So with that being said, a few of his directorial credits include the shorts Prehistoric Beast. He's actually the director of Starship Troopers Part Two, Hero of the Federation, and Mutant Land. And as far as animation goes, stop motion goes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, you can just start with Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. He also worked on Part Five: The Empire Strikes Back, and Part Six: Return of the Jedi. Uh, with stop motion, he also helped with go motion and makeup design for all those films. He worked on Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom as an uh, effects creative consultant. He's also worked on Howard the Duck as a go motion supervisor. He's worked on RoboCop 1 and 2. He actually designed the ED-209, which is freaking awesome. He's worked on Willow, where he helped with the two-headed dragon go motion sequence. He's worked on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids with the creature design on that. Worked on Coneheads, once again, for creature animation. Worked on Starship Troopers for creature visuals. Created the bugs, right? Yeah, dude. And let's see here. He worked on the Spiderwick Chronicles animation supervisor. He's worked on special effects for the Twilight Saga, and that's like all those films. So, yeah, man. I mean, we're like you were saying earlier, stuff we grew up on, um, we've pretty much seen his works on. <laughs> I mean, just Jurassic Park alone and probably... RoboCop for you and I. Yeah. And fucking Star Wars. Willow, like, yeah, Star Wars. I mean, come on, dude. He, this is the guy that did the stop motion to make that ad at Swalk in That's Empire. So crazy, isn't it? Like, this is the guy that made the ad at Swalk. How fucking saying. dope is that? I'm saying a lot for, what, 1970, what was it, 7 when it came out? Uh, 80 for Empire, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's wild, man. It's wild. Okay, so with that being said... Cinematographer, along with Phil Tippett, is Chris Morley. The editors on this are Ken Rogerson and Michael Cavanaugh. Now, Michael Cavanaugh, he has a few works of note, which include Ferngully Part 2, The Magical Rescue, and Puccini's Yard from 2000, which is a television show. All right, music on this was composed by Dan Wool. This gentleman's worked on such films as Sid and Nancy. He's worked on the film Straight to Hell, which... I, that one I looked at, uh, some of these are actually directed by Alex Cross, such as the gentleman we'll be talking about here in just a moment. He's also worked on Car 54, Where Are You? He's worked on the episode... I fucking love Car 54, Where It's a are good you? film, man. He's worked on the film... Or, excuse me, the episode The Bribe, which is a Tales from the Crypt episode mm. from 1994. He's also worked on the film Floundering, which stars James LeGros from Phantasm II. Oh, shit. Okay. And uh, Repo Chick. All right, special effects was done by AAU and Studio X. Once again, I said this was produced by Phil Tippett. Production company on this was uh, Tippett Studio. The distributor for this was Shutter for the 2022. Can I mention one other yeah. thing about Tippett? Because you mentioned stop motion. You also mentioned he had a couple Go Motion credits. Mm-hmm. He helped develop Go Motion. That's crazy. <laughs> like it's oh. not just that he had Go Motion credits. Right, he is the creator. That's he's wild. one of the yeah. He's one of the co-creators of that shit. So like, that's awesome. Shit. Yeah, he's he's a pioneer, a visionary in this field. All right, release dates were August 5th, 2021 at the Locarno Film Festival in Switzerland and June 16th, 2022 on Shudder here in the United States. All right, tagline for this is a journey beyond your wildest nightmares. All right, getting into the cast, not a heavy cast. Um, we have Alex Cox, gentleman I just brought up earlier. He plays the last man, and a few film credits, as far as his acting credits, include Repo Man, Sid and Nancy. He was in Perdita Durango. He was also in the Oxford Murders in Repo Chick. Now, as far as his directorial credits, he's got some really cool ones. I've already mentioned a few of them. He's the director of Repo Man from 1984. Oh. He's the director of Sid and Nancy from 1986. Straight to Hell Return from Wait, 1987. No shit. Yes, sir. Damn. And I was like, what? Dude, Sid and Nancy's a fucking good flick. It's it really heavy, is. Though. He directed the music video for Debbie Harry and Iggy Pop's Well, Did You Ever? <laughs> yeah. He is also the director of uh, Repo Chick. He's got uh, credit for Bill the Galactic Hero and Tombstone Rashomon. 
which is really cool. Mm, okay. All right, we have Nikita Roman. She plays a nurse slash witch. We have Sadish Ratakonda. He's one of the surgeons. And uh, last but not least, I have Anthony Huivivar. This gentleman, he's a director, he's a producer, he's an actor, and some of his acting credits really surprised the shit out of me. I'll explain. We'll start off with White Fang Part 2, Myth of the White Wolf. He was in the film Starship Troopers as Shujimi. Okay. He was in High Art as Xander, which is actually a really good film. He was in uh, such things as Simply Irresistible. He was, I know, right? Yeah, he's been on a lot of television, such things as Criminal Minds. He was in Tropic Thunder as a platoon sergeant shot in the head. (laughs) Okay. He was also in The Whole Truth, which is a television series from 2010 through 2011. Uh, He was a part of the Southland television series as Officer Hank Lucero from 2013. He was in Castle for an episode. He was in Beware the Batman as Batman, Bruce Wayne, and Thomas Wayne. Yeah, from 2013 to 2014. A few episodes of Hawaii Five-0. Several episodes of Banshee from 2013 through 2015. He was in the Avengers Assemble as Nighthawk, Kyle Richmond. Okay. Really neat. He was uh, in... American Horror Story as Richard Ramirez. Oh, shit. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was actually the last season I watched. Okay. Um, believe it or not. He was also in Scream, the television series, as Sheriff Miguel Acosta. He was also in Frequency, The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, Turner and Hooch, and uh, NCIS Hawaii. So he's got a shit ton of credits, man. Good on him. All right, but that pretty much wait, runs wait, out. Wait, they did new, new Turner and Hooch? Yeah. I know. I, didn't know that I did not know that either. <laughs> but there, you, there it is. All right. Like I said, that rounds out our cast and crew. You gave us a brief setup. Warnings. Some warnings. Yeah. How did so? This flick is pretty graphic, but it's also not your normal graphic because most of it isn't even close to being real. No, I mean it's it's either animated or a combination of just effects, like practical effects. And I mean, I know that I'm saying that about movies where none of it's real right right right. i know what you mean but as far as graphic is a different type of graphic but yeah the the majority of this movie is some form of stop or go motion yes and i mean there is some imagery that's gonna be gross and stuff you know some people are gonna be turned off by some sequences understandably so yeah this movie is gross as shit and i mean that just like all the surfaces, even for the most part, oh, in some no parts of the movie, just look grimy yeah, and disgusting. Is, There's right. a lot of texture in this movie, but beyond that, there is blood and gore and mm-hmm. sexual imagery, and no doubt, it's just hard to quantify because of what's. Yeah. It's such fantastical versions of that of what's going on, but yes, you'll see dicks and. Is there boobs? Not true boobs. There's not really. No, I mean, boobs. yes, but not really. But yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. But I mean, it's like plastic and dolls and things yeah. like that. That's what I'm getting at. Miniatures and whatnot. Lots of dicks and balls, though. Yeah, which is funny. <laughs> which is funny, but there are. And uh, just creatures and, like, most of it doesn't look like a good time, really. Just in general. That's kind of. And it's just dark in tone and kind of sad and arguably maybe nihilistic we'll talk more about shit like that but it's not a happy time movie i guess i agree but like he said we'll we'll definitely talk about all all that fun stuff it's hard to explain let's just get in and find out how mad god made us squeal how does that make you squeal all right mad god i think we've both been pretty excited for this since that fucking trailer dude no doubt so, Danny, how did it make you squeal? I really enjoy this film. I really do. It reminded me a lot of growing up, mainly in like the early 90s, seeing stuff on early 90s, late night MTV, like liquid television. Yeah. That kind of style of animation and just bizarre weirdness. You know, just stuff to me that seemed out of the norm. Mm-hmm. You know, just... It almost felt a little chaotic, but I, I liked it because it was safe. It was art, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's what it reminded me of. And 
I'm already a big fan of that as it is. So this is right at home for me. Yeah, for real. Like new releases of this year, this might be my favorite movie so far. Like I, I like this more than The Northman. Yeah, I did too, to be honest. Um, and that's no knock against The Northman. It's just, it's, I think we all know what it is. You yeah. Know, it's, a, it's a bigger studio film, which is understandable, but it's, it's not this. <laughs> this <laughs> it's is definitely not this. This is a masterpiece? Yeah, I mean, this is arguably his magnum opus, so. It's fucking incredible. Yeah. Everything, you know what, you want me to say a downside to this movie? This movie is like getting a fucking blowjob, uh-huh. and then you come, and she's still sucking. <laughs> well, you know, it's, there's worse out there. <laughs> it's it's almost too much. <laughs> I'm trying to suck the soul out of you. <laughs> I was like, you can try, go for it, but... No, I think that's a good point, man. I think for some people, it's it's going to be a turnoff because of the lack of a plot or storyline. I won't say plot, I, I, maybe a story per se. But I think if you read into it enough, there is a story there. There's sure. a story there. There's there's a thread to follow that goes a few different ways, and I different agree. details get filled in, and yeah, it's left kind of ambiguous how you want to interpret, interpret some of okay. this stuff, but. Because, yeah, as far as, like, a story goes, we have the assassin mm-hmm. who takes the journey down. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's do this first. Let's let's do the basics of what yeah, happens, like the and then bones. we can talk about what shit might mean and the different yeah, visuals like and this and that. I will say it starts first with the tower. Did you notice that before the lightning hits... I'm just going to call it the Plague Mother. I don't know the name of the character. You know who I'm talking yes, about. Yes, Is on top of the tower. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It starts with like the tower imagery and shit goes wrong and we can talk about that in a minute. Then it goes to the Bible quote, Leviticus 26, 27 through 33, which I didn't write down, but I wrote down what the, you know. Right, what it means contextually. Then we follow the assassin for a bit. He goes down, sees a bunch of shit. Plants a suitcase bomb, gets took out by a techno mutant. <laughs> yeah. The suitcase bomb seems to not go off through some sort of weird time manipulation. He gets dismembered in front of an audience, assuming that that's who we're following, but like that's what the shadow looked like. True. Then, after an indeterminate amount of time, laying in a hospital bed after the weird dismemberment scene, a doctor and a nurse come in. Rummage through him, eventually finding a worm baby creature. Mm-hmm. The doctor then drills into his brain and gets a look through his mind slash memories slash maybe it's just a weird way of spying on things that are also going on concurrently. I don't know what exactly is going on there for <laughs> sure. You find out a little bit more, not a lot, but you get the last man who seems to have some witches slash the fates as his workers that are creating maps to send with the assassins as they plant their briefcase bombs. You see another assassin go and plant a bomb after going through, like, a warscape. Then you cut back over to the baby, who was taken by the nurse, who offers it to the plague mother through this very crazy foreboding door. She takes it down through some more fucking crazy-ass scenery porn to an alchemist, yeah, who juices the baby, turns it into crystals that are then introduced into conjecture a forge of worlds slash a portal to a universe slash the universe where it seems to act first as a destructive force and then turns into a catalyst for new life at which point we see that opposition to these hellscapes grows even in those places 
and it's implied at the end that all of the bombs go off at once. Right? You can definitely say that. That's all the basic, like, physical action of what we see, too, right? Right, right, right. And, of course, like you were saying, this is ambiguous enough, I think it's subjective enough to where you can interpret it several different ways, you know, mm-hmm. and that's okay. That's Especially that is. end part. Right, and like I said, that's what art is, and I'm okay with that. And that's where I, I think the fun, for me at least, in this movie is is kind of sifting through some of the metaphors and maybe some of the references visually, et cetera, in this film. And that's where I appreciate that and also the visuals that you're getting on top of it. Yeah. Along with the score. <laughs> you know, it's it's fun, man. I, I really appreciate that film for this. And I'm, this is not my closing remarks. I'm just I'm like, wow. Just after the bare bone, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, so now all the shit that's actually going on with it, because, fuck, there's a lot. That first tower, that's one of the parts where this film just immediately drew me in, because the way it was being presented, I'm like, okay, cool. I got to immediately start to try to take this in in an arty way. Right, exactly. And you have this tower imagery with the storm coming in and you can, at least to me, it seemed very easily put both tower of Babel with humans getting too high on their own hubris and God striking them down, which is in some ways backed up by the quote that they then chose. Yeah, to, exactly. I mean, that's kind of to hit up right after that, but then, you. but then also like, you have this world of chaos and ruin that's mm. we're about to see way more of and just bad shit. And, like, I don't know much about this shit because I don't go in for it, but I do know enough to know that, like, the tower in tarot is usually accompanied with storm imagery and wow. is fucking terrible bad shit happening. Like, that's, like, the worst card you can grab. Like, that's worse than grabbing death from what I understand. So, like... Yeah, it's like, dest- I mean, literally kind of like destruction, chaos, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, just the opening, that's exactly what I gathered from it was, you know, a metaphor for a biblical event, you know, the Tower of Babel. Like you said, man trying to, you know, reach the heights of a god or god or whatever. I think, too, which is interesting. I know I'm kind of jumping ahead with this, but I feel like the use of the baby babbling mm-hmm. is kind of getting back to that rudimentary like very beginning stages after the crumble and you have to build back up perhaps that's what the the language in this film was or the exi- non-existence of language too you could say could be a part of that i don't know but maybe i hadn't really thought about that part of it but i had i did think a lot about the baby not just the baby, but how it sort of fits in in this movie in the ways that you could interpret the idea of a mad god. Hmm. You know, I looked at it too, like a sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb too, you know, stuff like that. Um, a cycle of birth and death, things of that nature. Oh, first off, I want to say this is also cosmic horror as shit. Oh, no doubt, dude. For sure. I mean... It posits a very <laughs> absurd, uncaring, unflinching, unflinching universe. And I would argue posits the idea that even these bits that we try to make sense of, say, oh, everything happens for a reason. Just because it happens for a reason, maybe it doesn't happen for a good reason. That's Maybe it doesn't happen point. for the reason you think it does, but you only have a certain point of view. I think it does posit some of these questions. Whether you want to, and I don't mean you or I, but just in general, whether we decide we want to delve into them or not, you know, that's entirely up to us, but they are definitely there. But after, like, some scenery porn, one of the first things we see the assassin do is the example of cosmic horror that I feel like we bring up every time we talk about this genre, where... He's just walking somewhere and steps on this entire other story that's going on. You have these gnomes fucking jacking up this other gnome that looks like Santa. Yeah. There's a fucking story and a half there. Dude, you know, too, I was, I don't know, maybe I'm reading into this, but there was like three Santas in that. 
Yeah. Two were bickering, and one would look like in a Jesus pose. <laughs> and that made me wonder, too, it was like the false idol worshiping, mm, because mm-hmm. that's what the Leviticus is basically about. Mm-hmm. Is if, you know, if you have or bear false witness, or I'm not false witness, but, you know, worship false idols, this is the shit that it's you're going to incur as my wrath. Actually, here, I, I brought up the Leviticus. Yeah. I, in fact, I brought it up in the King James just to make it sound even. Layman. Like, yeah. <laughs> Keep it dumb. <laughs> And if ye will not for all this hearken unto me, but walk contrary unto me, then I will walk contrary unto you and also in fury. And I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins. And ye shall eat the flesh of your sons, and the flesh of your daughters shall ye eat. And I will destroy your high places, and cut down your images, and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. And I will make your cities waste, and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation. And I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. And I will bring the land into desolation, and your enemies will dwell with therein, and shall be astonished at it. And I will scatter you among the heathen, and will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. I mean, dude, all the imagery is what we're watching on screen. As a result of the Tower of Babel from the, in the beginning and mm-hmm. the the fall of man, if you will, yeah, I mean, the name alone of the film implies that, right? Although it could be mad as in crazy, right, right, right. That's a very subjective term too, yeah. And I that's agree. I think kind of what this movie mm. pushes at a little mm. bit. It's I, like I think so too. even I want to like without getting into specifics, I feel like this movie almost like points at being like how the Christian theology notions can still fit within a cosmic horror framework. Yeah. Because like that could be real, but you're not seeing enough of the picture to know why that's being real. Right. It's still in a sense, in a sense, a man's image version of a God, Mm -hmm. you know, there's little hints. I think maybe like I said, this is jumping way ahead. Of course, but with the alchemist, there's a scene where it seems like you're on a on a up, you know. And what I mean by that's because the visuals oh. go up. Well, I was gonna say like a trip. To me, that felt like another. Like I feel like there's a number of scenes where this movie explores the idea of what a mad god would be. Right, and like in his own little world, he controls that world. Right, and I was like, oh, that's interesting because. That goes along with what you're saying, mad scientist, mad god. This is his version of his little universe that he can control or it can control. Yeah, I was like, man, that's kind of interesting. It was the first time through, it was that scene the first time through that made me write down, like, is this showing, like, the dark side of everything happens for a reason? Because he's essentially the god to that world. Mm -hmm. And it would be easy for the beings in that to write that off as an everything happens for a reason moment. That's so sad, but it's so weird that, you know, we were having such this great day and this predator appears out of nowhere. But the reason is not like he had plans for him. It was his plans for him were that predators have to eat too. And that amuses him. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no shit. Right. But that's, I mean, that's kind of what it is though. But then we also see the world that the alchemist lives in. Right. So once again, it's like these ideas can be true, but also not true because you don't see the entire framework. Precisely. I think that's very interesting. And that perception (laughs) of, you know, what is your reality? What is your sense of whatever? Pretty deep. Yeah. But once again, like the cosmic horror, the gnomes. Dude. He has no ill will towards those gnomes that have nothing to do with what he's doing. Mm-mm. They all die simply because he's walking somewhere. Yeah. That's kind of, in a sense, too, with, with the assassin walking on. Yeah, those gnomes. I, I looked at him as, like, Santa Clauses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but re- regardless, is it's kind of the same... Or I'll say same. Let me, let me back that up. In a sense, you could relate it back to, like, how, how we as humans... Sometimes we step on things that we're not aware of, like ants, per se. You know, mm-hmm. you could use that metaphor or analogy and kind of give better perspective on that that situation. 
Mm -hmm. So, you know, so I, I think that's another interesting thing. But then I do think parts of this movie aren't just the sort of super big, like, what does the universe mean and this and that. Like, parts of it are just calling out some of the shitty parts of society. True that. Fucking war, ultra corporations, yep. war, people being stuck in this cycle of just being used up as part of the cog, machine. Right. For dumb, shitty reasons. Like, so after the gnome shit, during the assassin's trek, one of the next things is you have like the mummy guy catching that. What was it like a little like lizard or something, or is like a frog type thing, something like that? Yeah, whatever the hell was chomping at it. I was like, okay, whatever. The first time through it didn't hit me. Second time through, what that scene was hit me, and it's just a poor man getting caught poaching in the king's forest. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at that. You're right. You're absolutely right. The guy was just trying to eat. Just trying to eat. That's all it was. And got, yeah. Got caught by this big monster that has all the power. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't care, has no no plans, doesn't care at all about the fucking frog thing. He just cares that something of his happened on his land. Right. At that, yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the same thing with the assassin. He just got caught. Something he doesn't care about. No. Got taken from him. That's all. (laughs) Yeah, that's wild, man. No, that's a good way of interpreting that, too. I think there's some clever use of allegory in terms of stories mm-hmm. that he's referencing in this film. Like I said, analogies, metaphors, which is clever in a film like this because for a story that, quote, and I've read several reviews post-watching the first time, where it's like, you know, if the people who tend to not like it, it's like it's hard to follow because there's no story. I'm like, well, not. I mean, not really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's something going on with the assassin, and you can follow all that and right. try to piece shit together. And I think that's the cleverness of it. It's like, yeah, maybe because there's not a lot of dialogue, it can be boring for some, but... There is a lot that's just scenery porn. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. So, uh, somebody made mention, and I thought this was kind of interesting, too. Is It's like, if Tool decided to make a movie based on like their music videos, this is kind of adjacent to it a little bit. I mean, yeah, what I think this Not is closer but... what I think this is closer to is I know you haven't started playing yet, but like from software, the next thing they need to do after Elden Ring is just go to Phil Tippett and be like, So we wanna set our next game in the world of Mad God. Cause this is close to a lot of shit that they do anyway. That'd be sick. Like you've seen a couple things. Yeah. You haven't seen have... some of the really screwed up parts where they get no. super dark and metal like this, but like a lot of this shit works within the fucking FromSoft games. That's awesome. I mean, hell, if they can pull it off, I'm all for it too. As soon as I had that thought, I kept just watching this movie and being like, I want to be there. Like, but not in a way where I actually want to be there, but I want my character to be there. Like, I want to be avatar fucking... avatar or whatever. Yeah, I want to be dressed up like the fucking assassin as one of the options for, like, armors and... Explore. Yeah. That'd be pretty awesome. Yeah, have a fucking so Lindman fuck attack on. me in some places. You could turn the the weird plague baby into a fucking enemy in one of the areas. All those different areas There's he goes past could all be their own little like game biome. You know how like the maps Dude. always divided up and shit. Yeah. Like no, there's there's a lot to explore, especially in a eighty five minute film of this nature in a world like that's what I'm getting at. It's a lot to explore. Somebody at FromSoft needs to go to Phil Tippett and be like, yo, we want to set a game in this world. What? How can we make this happen? I mean, go for it. Whoever is in charge, go for it. I got a question for you. In a sense, this, for me, might have been the maybe the most significant analogy and metaphor for what this film is maybe trying to convey <laughs> is the sequence where the assassin walks by the row of guys or whatever that are being electrocuted and they're all Oh yeah. I fucking loved that. That was Yeah, they're all defecating and Yeah. And that thing down below is eating it, but it's also powering a whole world below as well. Now what I was thinking about that metaphor maybe is like shit in, shit out. Mm. You know, if you put shit in, you're gonna get shit out in return. And like I know we're jumping around, but that's what we do is towards the end of the film, or the end of the film, if you will, when I was thinking about the baby 
<laughs> that weird creature. It's like they dissected the first assassin that we saw, right? Took literally just completely gutted him, took everything out of him that was valuable, if you will, and found that that baby, the mm -hmm. sacrifice, and, and all that stuff. And then they took all of that, threw it out, and maybe created another universe or threw it into a, a void that became the cosmos and that that timeline. <laughs> but I was like, well, if you think about it, that baby came from this chaos and this shit. Mm -hmm. And then you're putting it into another... So you're going to get shit in return. And that's basically what happened. It still became what we see in this world. I think to an extent, this still applies to the shit in, shit out idea. I think it's closer to kind of what they, it was getting at at the end of Annihilation with man's propensity for self-destruction mm. in some form or another. In this yeah, case, yeah. I think it's when it gets to self-destruction on like a societal level, specifically like uh, fucking late-stage capitalism and shit because the shitting electric eternal giants were kind of the gateway into the next area which is where we really start seeing like the slab mining and the lint people like having to do all the slave work and shit. So if like the lint people are kind of like average people, basically you and yeah, me just, and fucking just a cog in the system, right. then the electric shitting prisoners are like literally like for-profit prison system. Yeah. I mean, that's, I can interpret that just as well. I mean, I'm going to yeah. like that yeah. away from me, but I mean, I can see that interpretation as I'm going to and I can read into that. So I totally get that too, because that's, that's but I think that's still in its own way. It's kind of shit in shit out. If well, you're going to yeah, treat yeah, yeah. people like Precisely. this, what do you expect to run the system? Then the system's going to be shit. Right, right, right. And you could put a number of things in its place and still kind of get the same message out of it. You know, like you said, if you're going to treat something, whatever like this, and I mean, there's other examples too of like, experimentation with you know with animals and stuff like that too which is interesting and then with people as well when it's, i thought that the cog in the system bit that oh, you, with yeah, the, the lint people was maybe some of the best bit of dark humor in this movie yeah, because yeah. you basically watch them moving these slabs in ways that visually harken back to kind of like how we think of like the pyramids being built with yes, slave labor. Absolutely. And we watch them go through these hardships and some of them accidentally getting killed just by the processes that they're doing and being in the wrong place at the wrong time or being in the right place at the right time. And it just, and it just doesn't matter because happens, there yeah. was, yeah, just a fuck up in the system. Sorry, that sucks for you. Yeah. But we accidentally, next one. Up. Yeah. We accidentally scheduled the steamroller to go here at the same time that you guys were yeah. our bad. You know, like this shit happened for a reason. But <laughs> they get those slabs to the end of the line just for them to be picked up by super high technology and sent fucking 20 times the distance in the space of a second. Yeah, and... You have all these people really cool. fucking ruining their lives day in and day out and risking their life when the technology is it's right, right there, there really <laughs> to move all of this and they shouldn't have to do any of it. No, you're absolutely right. It's like the grunts do all the hard labor. And then, yeah, they have the technology that does, yeah, the parts where it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. When you said nihilism earlier on, too, I was like, yeah, I mean, honestly, you could read into that, the way this film plays out. And I, I totally get that, too. I think it kind of depends on how much you read into the way the end works. And whether they're creating whole new universes or or changing ones that already existed using that, <sighs> the dust. Yeah. And in some ways, possibly changing their own because there does, there is 100% some amount of time manipulation going on. But yeah, yeah, I would agree with that too, which is neat. Yeah, there was a couple of, of movie references I wanted to kind of throw at you and maybe see where, I don't know, maybe I'm reading into him right, maybe I'm like reading into him wrong, but after the assassin gets captured and he's dragged back into like the viewing gallery for the peanuts down there, mm -hmm. the people, you know, it started making me think, all right, if I want to think of this film in terms of like 
a critique of society with war and with capitalism, you know, stuff like this. I was like, man, I wonder how much of the film Johnny Got His Gun mm. is being played in this, especially with some of the eyeball bits and stuff like that, right. the bandages and... You know, I didn't think about that at the time, but it does fit. You know, because there's another film, too, that made me think, not in those terms, but in terms of the um, seeing, like, the nuclear fallout or, like, the, the explosion mm-hmm. of the, an atomic bomb or whatever. There's a, th- a movie that came out uh, in England. It was, like, a TV movie uh, called Threads. It okay. came out in, like, 1984. And I was like, huh, because that was basically what that film was about, like, the aftermath of a, of a fallout. You know, in England and, Mm -hmm. you know, all of the ramifications. I was like, huh. And then, once again, with the cog pieces and just the hair people, it started making me think of Pink Floyd's The Wall as well. Like, some of the the commentary with war and, like, some of the being cog pieces in this machine, etc. I was like, huh. And these all came out late 70s, early 80s. It would have been right in his wheelhouse Mm -hmm. being, you know, Phil Tepid. So, it made me wonder... Like if he was using some of that as fodder for some of these critiques in the film. Yeah, that's good. Man, it's so crazy how those slabs come back around at the end, though. Yeah, when you, when you think about it, what it's used for. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, because these things do have a full circle in the film, like you were saying with the floating... Well, okay, thing is. and so those also have to, like, 100% be at least a visual reference to 2001, right? Oh, yeah, I would think so. I would think so. Right, those have to, those are the monoliths. In I would almost, I would almost have to say yes because the way that the last little bit plays out with the birth mm-hmm. and death of, you know, this universe or whatever, or this civilization on this planet, not necessarily the universe, but that planet, what's going on? I felt like when they started playing the baby babbling over the PA kind of like the boss to the workers, that felt to me like another like way of thinking about the mad god idea. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because, let me see. That's kind of like I Cthulhu think. mythos. Once again, Cthulhu mythos, Cthulhu isn't the main god. Like he's more actually like a bishop or a priest. I believe Azatoth? Anyway, at the center of the universe is, like, the chaos god who's, I think, if I remember right, God, I'm really fucking stoned right now. I'm usually way more on my fucking Lovecraft shit than this, but it's, like, the babbling, blind, idiot god at the center of the universe. Mm. And I'm like, I mean, that's not a nice thing to say about a baby, but it's kind of fucking true. I mean, because it doesn't make any sense. I mean, even maybe in the baby's world, yeah, it does, but not in ours. Not in any intelligible mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, and that's kind of what it made me think of. What, and still using the reference of the title of the film, "Mad God." God can mean whatever you want it to mean, but the mad too could be crazy, right? Not and necessarily it, like angry, but yeah. And it was once again something that was for. Technically, more universe existed, but not for those lint people. Right. It it was controlling their universe. Yeah, this is... All right, look... And it was also maybe kind of a slam at, like, any boss that Tippett ever had. Just like, your fucking boss doesn't know what you're, it's fucking talking it's about. fucking babbling. That's what I was thinking, too. It's like, that's kind of... Sorry, it's another, talk. It's another, <laughs> it's another. It's another metaphor, though. I mean, that, like you said, any boss you can put anybody in that position, anybody in little, you know, whether it's authoritarian authority figure. It's like, yeah, you start. It just starts becoming like, come on, man, you acting like a baby. Okay, so second watch through, right? The fact that the bomb doesn't go off when the assassin plants it the first time is a good thing, right? That's part of the plan. I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think it's too much of a coincidence that it didn't. It off. feels like the plan is they all have to go off simultaneously. Right, right, right. right. And so it's assumed it at down. first that that's what that bomb is supposed to do because he's planning it at all these, this mountain of briefcases that apparently never went off. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a solid point because, because we do see how many other assassins exist. I would assume he's not the first, definitely not the last. Right. So 
you know, chance to reason is like, yeah, they're just planting them for this particular moment and, you know, this time event or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think that that lends a little bit more credence to like that. If you're going to tie together with how the first assassin after he's, you know, been dragged in and cut open and stuff, how he starts to view time, he starts to slow down, but it doesn't stop. It makes it feel like it's going to. And he's like, oh, no, there's definitely some time manipulation stuff going on here. When he's in that fucking hotel room, it's not hotel room. No, no, no. no, 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 The fucking, I mean, not hotel room, uh, hospital room, which it's not hospital room. No, that's what I was getting at. But like, that's the closest reference we can use. Like, they, they have that, you know, zoomed out shot, and you come in and you see that there was a bunch of other. Those presumably would be all other assassins, too. Though. I would think. I would think. Especially second time through. Like, once you yeah. start seeing how many assassins have been sent. That, and that's kind of what I was getting into. Yeah. I mean, to me, I think that's what having a second and third time, and plus when you're analyzing films, yeah. I mean, it's, I would think chance to reason, yeah. That's what it means. The jewelry inside them was weird. And, like, the all, documents all really, and stuff. I think that relates more to, like, the anti-war side. Yeah, I, I would just looked at it, like, maybe a literal thing, like, all right, you're taking... I'm going to use an assassin in terms of humans, but mm-hmm. you're taking this person, right, and you're literally taking all their value out of them. Right, yeah. It's just what... You're it's literally what they're worth, and not... In goods, not right. what they're worth right, as, right. A, as a person. Right. I, I just think it's more of a metaphor. Like, yeah, I mean, the stuff that makes them what they are, whether, you know, this particular person, you know, adored jewelry and what books or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. you know, I just think it's a, more of a metaphor for that. Like, you're you're hollowing these things, these people out. Wealth and knowledge. Right. I think that's what I got out of it or what I took from it. So the baby, it though. <laughs> so the baby... Uh-huh. I think is a more distilled down, like, so the assassins have been sent to help destroy the world. The world is the way it is because of humans' propensity for self-destruction on both personal and societal levels. So the baby is a more distilled down version of humans' propensity for destruction which is why things turn out the way it does when it's introduced into the universe at the end. Yeah, it's interesting you said distill because I was thinking sterile. Mm. <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of close in in that regard. It's like yeah, they're just. But if you want to go back into like the Bible, it's also kind of the original sin. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like whoa, and that would make sense because hell, it's already been established that this is, you know, you could use the the Bible as an allegory for this story as mm-hmm. it is. At the very end, I'm not sure if the fucking baby flakes, which we know are the slabs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very fucking wild. Are getting introduced to already made universes or back into this universe? Mm, mm, mm. You know, that's, that's interesting, too. Like, yeah. Because if you think that they're creating new universes, I feel like that's where this movie becomes super nihilistic. Oh, yes, I would think so. And because maybe, it means, essentially means that the the horror never ends. I think that's, if if you look at maybe the clocks in mm-hmm. time as it, as it is, is like a metaphor for all these multiple universes experiencing the same horror. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, from our perspective, you know, perception of what horror is. But it's just, like you were saying, it's like a cosmic horror motif it's just like it's just, it doesn't it doesn't carry the way you know but like if it's being reintroduced into oh, our universe yeah. in a like a causal loop kind of way like our universe exists because this happened in a, a fucking <laughs> bootstrap paradox yeah like fuck yeah. then Sad. it actually becomes more hopeful because yeah I had a point then what appears to be the last man's plan does, since he seems to also have some version of time manipulation, Mm. his plan to destroy the thing can actually come into effect, which is kind of what the movie implies with the cuckoo actually going off. I think so. I I think there is some hopefulness to that, yeah. 
Because I think if it's being introduced into the universe as is, as a catalyst, because we definitely see it destroying a planet at first, right? Like it hits that planet and you see like the black mark come and like it's only a couple minutes later as you continually watch the montage that new life then starts to form again. Well, if we want to go kind of what we were talking about once again in Annihilation with energy can't be created or destroyed or can't be destroyed and all that shit. It's like it's recycled. Then they might have introduced, like I said, concentrated destruction, but that is a catalyst for beginning growth anew. Mm -hmm. But we know what the growth turns into because it was created of destruction. That's interesting that Annihilation would be a film that you could really piggyback off of. (laughs) Because, honestly, I I thought a lot about that film when I was watching this, too, because of some of what we've already discussed in that film, you know, uh, with, you know, death and rebirth or just annihilation, as you will. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be a death. It's just something new. And I was like, yeah, I mean, you can interpret this film that way, too. But like I said, I think if they're creating something, like truly creating something new, then this movie's actually a lot more bleak. Because that just means they're creating more and more fucked up universes that The Last Man can never catch up to. Perhaps. Perhaps. Though it also implies that each of those universes possibly contain their own source of downfall. Because we see like the anarchists rising up at the end and like blowing up their own bomb, yeah, yeah, to take down that structure. Yeah, it's like I, you know, it's 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 hard to maybe tell some, either way, and it's a coin flip. You know, you could say yeah, maybe there's some hope in it, maybe there's not. Either way, like I think that's the the beauty of art in general is the ambiguity in it and how you can interpret it. It's mm-hmm. not a right or wrong answer, and that's okay. It's just food for thought. It's fodder. I like it. I honestly think this is playing with a lot of the same ideas that Annihilation was, though. Without a doubt. And not, um, you know, purposely. I think it's just inadvertently because it's within the same subgenre, that cosmic horror realm, and it's dealing with some very philosophical and almost existential thoughts, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's <laughs> I think it's, it's really cool. And I was having a conversation with somebody a couple of days ago about this. It's like... The more I think about subgenres within horror, I really do enjoy the cosmic horror because of these discussions you can have within it. And it's like you don't even ha- really have to have them if you don't want to, so, mm-hmm. you know. But because of what it brings to the table <laughs> in subject matter wise, it's like, whew, you better get you better get your thinking cap on because this it, it doesn't it's not necessarily light. Right. I mean. I could just watch this film visually and have a good time and not really have to think too much. I'm like, okay, I can just read it like this. It's just, you know, ABC, whatever. Or we can have these discussions and you know, interject more people and boom, you can really have a interesting conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on people's backgrounds too, you know. So I think that weighs heavy in, you know, in, in terms of this conversation because – I would be interested to hear what maybe somebody who has a little bit more of a theological background thinks about this film. Stuff like that, you know, maybe yeah. somebody with an Eastern mentality mm-hmm. too. So, yeah, the title is, is pretty appropriate for this film as well. I think so too. Also, The Plague Mother was so fucking dope. Dude, visually, wow. That was really dope. Really I mean, dope. The visuals of this movie are like getting sucked past completion. Yeah, I was like, almost whoa. like twenty minutes in this movie. I paused it and I'm like, "There, there's only like ten minutes left in this flick, right? Because I've already seen so much. No, there's another hour left. How? Because <laughs> no, I have I seen know. so much. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really, I really enjoyed it because of what I said earlier is is how much it made me feel like, oh man, this is some of the stuff. Remember when I was like 10, 11, 12 years old? Mm-hmm. How we not? You know, or I shouldn't have been watching that. You know, that's subjective, but <laughs> I'm glad I did because this film was like, whoa, it, it brought me back to that and made me think about how much I enjoy that kind of stuff. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, this is this is definitely for, for fans of that kind of 
gnarly landscape, kind of gross, but also beautiful at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, I appreciate that. And like the score, too. It's just... The it, score's amazing. It really helps kind of navigate you through the story, too, with with maybe some of the emotions it's trying to convey. You know, Not just the score. Something I want to shout out, because you don't necessarily think about it right off the bat. This was mostly stop-and-go motion, right? Mm-hmm. Shit doesn't have actual momentum. They're stopping yeah. this, filming something, God. moving it, filming it You're again. Right, man. So shout out to the fucking Foley artists making it sound like everything was actually fucking moving. I was going to say, that's that's another solid point to think about how much practical sound there is. Because none of this had sound. No. So I mean, there's some live AR action stuff. shit moved in, but like mixed in. But, but still, no, no, just the uh, sound design... Like so the score you write, the foley work, the stop and go. From what I understand too is is he had, I don't know, maybe just a handful of people who were like students who were trying to get their hands, oh, okay. you know, dirty if you will, uh, on a project. And so yeah, he invited a lot of them on the weekends to his studio, and they worked a lot on the project. And he said he just used whatever shit he had in his studio, so he repurposed a lot of things, and you can catch some things. Mm. And they're like, I, I saw a Ray Harryhausen, a Cyclops from like uh, Sinbad. Oh, right. Yeah. You know, I'm like, that was pretty dope. <laughs> I think you could see the E, uh, was it, what did I say, ED-209? Somewhere in the background oh, in one of the, the war scenes. I'm like, oh, there it is. <laughs> you know, and shit like that. I was like, okay, that's kind of cool. Something we haven't really mentioned yet, because we've been going on how like deep and cool like this movie can make you think. But it's also one of those projects that feels like, like, you know, like, whenever, like, Disney animators get to go work on oh. something else and they always make it dirty <laughs> as fuck? Yeah, 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 exactly. Because uh, you have, like, the fucking cuck mannequin. That is so funny. Yeah, no, you're right, Fucking double-clicking the mouse. What the fuck? That was, like, what is going on? You got, like, the Minotaur getting the handy. Yeah. There's one sequence where, like, it looks like two business guys are boofing. Oh, yeah. Or... When the fucking, the shit shove, oh, we didn't bring up the shit shove. No, we didn't. No, no, no. Like, there's another society bit. Like, you have yeah. these two giant strong monsters <laughs> fucking literally just shoving shit day in, day out. And their overseer, they could, they could fucking flick away in a second. But they're just kind of fight each other and then get punished. Yeah. And then are stuck sho- shoveling shit. Because they're just kind of encouraged to fight each other if they're going to fight people. And I, it may be, too, with the biblical thing because they poked, one of them poked the other one's eye out. Yeah. I'm like, it's like, yeah, it's funny. It's like they're judging each other, beating each other over the head. But you're right, they're shoveling the same shit, mm-hmm. if you will. It's like, you're right. They very well could break free of their bondage anytime they wanted to. But, like, also... One of them is given a fucking dangling red rocket, and whenever they get electrocuted, it gets hard. And it's both super dirty, but think about the extra work they made for themselves every time they gave these creatures, like, flopping dicks and balls. Because they then had to animate them to look like they had weight and momentum. Yeah. I mean... And across the board, (laughs) it looks like swinging fucking dicks and balls. That is so funny. I was like, I would imagine they probably had a pretty good time in moments like that. Like, you know we're going to have to make this thing look like it's hard. And this is going to be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you play it back, you know. So, it, it really is a, a labor of love, if you will, mm-hmm. when you can create a project like this. And, of course, it's Phil Pippet's vision. But it was also the work of a lot of people. I know we had a... Um, I don't know, it was a GoFundMe or, or a Kickstarter campaign yeah, Kickstarter. for it. And yeah, there's a lot. You can see it in the end credits how many people were involved in the project. So, I mean, it says a lot. And we've already talked about his background, you know. So, from what I understood, too, is, is he started doing this project, like, right around the time he finished RoboCop to, I guess, the filming of, not when it mm-hmm. released. But, but then he considered abandoning it when Jurassic Park came out because of CGI, he thought that was pretty much the end of stop motion. You know, like that was going to be a thing of the past. But, you know, he uh, persevered. And that wasn't even a guy looking from the outside. Phil Tippett is 
Yeah, he's in he the worked on business. Jurassic Park. Yeah, he's listed as like the dinosaur supervisor. You know, which I believe there's a really funny fucking like Tumblr post that gets shared around sometimes where they're like, "You had one fucking job, Phil," and he's like. In all fairness, there was a lot of dinosaurs and only one of me. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what's funny, too, is I watched an interview and he was making mention of it with Jurassic Park. He said, uh, you know, he was a, a stop-motion guy, you know, practical guy, and everything was at that time was moving towards computers. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I am horrible with computers. He says, so for me, I was lucky that that made me supervisor, so I had overlooked people. <laughs> So, you know, there's that at play, too. How much? I don't know. I don't know the guy. But uh, regardless, this is, it's pretty remarkable thinking, like I said, uh, how much time and effort to pull this kind of stuff off and the final product that we get, whether like so whether or not people like it or not, that's one thing. But to me, it's just the craft. Yeah. It's like, man, that's fucking impressive. And he did it, you know, 35 plus years later, whenever he started it. Pretty damn impressive. I agree. Fuck. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot to it. I think we covered all the main bits of it. I think there's a few people that we know probably need to get their eyeballs on this. I agree. Just to hear their Patrick needs to see this. Yeah. Really badly. If only for the craft of it. Yes. Uh, There's a buddy of mine, too. I want to mention it to him. Because he's a photographer who Mm. works in some of this medium. And I'm kind of curious to see what he would think about it. To me, it feels like a masterpiece. Yeah, I would agree. Like, all the years and experience that he's accumulated to make this project is, yeah, like I said, it's a it's that labor of love. And I'm really, really glad that we somehow managed to sandwich this wow. with Annihilation because they are great fucking companion pieces. They really are, regardless of how you feel about that. I think they are really good companion pieces just for, you know, themes alone. And maybe one is influencing the way we think about the other. But Perhaps. I think it's just because it's the kind of things that, when well done, it's what cosmic horror can make you ask. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like there's there's a common thread there amongst them. And they're doing it well. Why else would we be bringing them up together, right? Yeah, I agree. But it definitely has my thumb of approval. I'm happy that Shudder put it out. Made Yo, it okay, for us. that's going to be my bitching point. Shudder, been using you for years. I love you. I've been able to watch a lot of movies because of you. Y'all need to get your act together on your <laughs> fucking Xbox app. Oh, I haven't used it on there, so I can't say. It only works like a quarter of the fucking time. I couldn't get it to work at all this weekend. Mm-hmm. I even uninstalled and reinstalled that bitch like three times. Shit just... No good. Not Wouldn't work at all. Dang. So I couldn't use my extremely expensive fucking TV oh. to watch this on. And had to watch it on my fucking computer. Dang. That sucks. I didn't know that. I'm not happy with that shutter. <laughs> I'm well, glad y'all have it. But hey, I would tell people it that it's worth subscribing to you just to watch this movie. But y'all need to get your fucking Xbox app. That's a, app. That's a side point. Working. I had no idea. Yeah, get your shit together on the Xbox side. Other than that, I mean, I can vouch for Roku's side. And historically, I've only ever gotten their app to work on my Xbox like a quarter of the time. Yeah. I can't say I've ever tried, so I, I can't vouch either way. And it, it worked most of the time on my Roku. But now with this new computer, it runs uh, like WebOS for its fucking... Anyway, it, there's not an app for it on on my new TV. Uh, <laughs> that was the other thing. I'm yeah. like, do they have a new app yet? Nope. Dang. Nope, I can't, I can't run this app on my TV. Dang. All right, well... <laughs> Yeah, you had to work around it. That's kind of kind of a bummer, but I mean, worst comes to worst, I can stream it on my fucking computer. But I have not set up my computer for that. Like I have set up my entire fucking living room. So hey, I understand. <laughs> so I wish. I, here's the thing, though. They give me the option to buy this in 4K. I'm going to. Oh, dude. Yeah, it's like I, I wouldn't mind getting a copy of this, um, just to see like some of the behind the scenes. Which I understand. There's some of it on YouTube. So oh, sweet. Yeah, there's oh, that. Yeah. I do know that. Yeah, I hope they plan a physical release, because I will buy it. Likewise. Speaking of physical releases, you Hobbit-loving motherfucker, if you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, we're still holding out, man. Well, you know, 
if he decides, and I hope he doesn't, is it this year? Maybe next year when Dead Alive came out? Oh, for like the anniversary? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. So I'm like, well, maybe. I think it's 93. But regardless, it's like if he decides one more year and he wants to do a 30th, I'm like, okay, maybe. I'll give him one more year, but that's it. Hobbit love We've already been waiting this long. <laughs> anyway, we know what we're doing next week. Yeah, dude, that's we've already mentioned it before, but that's yeah, gonna be fun to revisit our longest episode to date. This is the reanimated I have been looking most forward to. Y'all get on the Patreon because we're excited for this shit. We're getting back to the cell. J Lo, Vince Vaughn, Vince Donofrio. Was it Dylan Baker? Yeah, Dylan Baker is. <laughs> yes, he is. Yes, he is. He's a scientist in that one. Yes, he is. Fucking the cell, dude. Our longest episode, the one I have hated since we recorded it, because we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. Oh, and there was dude, a I mean, lot of that. Mo- there was too much movie for us to talk about in the way that we were talking about movies back then. Yeah, I can't promise a three-hour episode this next go-round. But... Guess what? There's more of Mad God to talk about than there is to sell the cell. We are. We're not even half of that length. (laughs) That's hilarious. And I'm not saying that we're going to be in and out of the cell in 10 minutes. Mm -mm. I'm just excited to see what we say about it this time around. Because I know what we said about it last time around. And it was what happened scene by scene. Literally. (laughs) That's the only way we made it three hours. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. That's okay. Like I said, it's going to be fun to revisit for several reasons. That's right. It's J-Lo, Jenny from the block. From the block. Don't be smoking J-Lo's. That's shit. <laughs> anyway, for this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms. Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>